The following is a sermon from Christ Memorial Church. We are a multi-site church in the St. Louis area. We are compelled by two words, loved and sent. We believe everyone is loved deeply by God through His Son, Jesus Christ, and everyone is sent with great purpose wherever they go. You can find out more about us at cmstl.org or reliantchurch.org. Enjoy the following sermon. So show of hands, who here this morning has ever had a difficult job? Yeah, some of you probably should be putting up two hands. Uh, this could be at work, this could be at school, or this could be in your home. Now, let me ask you, how much more difficult is that job? How much more frustrating is your job when no one else knows how hard it is? Yeah, maybe, maybe at work you're a specialist, and you're the only person capable, the only person qualified of doing your job but everybody wants to give you advice. When you say that, man, this job is hard, they just want to give you advice, and you just want someone to acknowledge that your job is hard. Maybe you're a school teacher, and everybody, no one knows what it's like to be a school teacher except for school teachers, but everybody's got an opinion on how it should be done, whether or not they've done it before. Or maybe you're a parent, and everyone's got an opinion on how parents should parent. Meanwhile, they've never had to get four kids out of bed, fed, reasonably cleaned, dressed, and to church on time or to school on time. Yeah. That kind of struggling with something difficult when no one really knows makes it that much harder. It can make you feel isolated. Sometimes it can make you want to quit. But how great is it? How terrific does it feel when you're working on something difficult, when you're doing something hard? And somebody sees you. Someone acknowledges how hard it is what you're doing. Maybe instead of just giving you advice, they say, well, that must be hard. Maybe it's because they've done it before. Yes, yeah, shared experiences make people closer. Maybe we picture two soldiers swapping stories about their time in basic training. Or maybe it's students gathering together and venting, commiserating on their workload this semester. Or maybe it's mothers bonding over the shared struggles and trauma of parenthood. When someone's been through what you've been through, when someone acknowledges how hard your job is, it makes you see the task differently. Now we, as Christians, have been given a difficult task, a daunting task, the hardest task there is. It's summarized in the opening for our reading today, if you'll read it with me. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's the Christian life in a sentence. The Christian life is a race of endurance, and it's full of some obstacles. The author identifies them, enduring hostility, struggling against sin. To summarize that, suffering and temptation. The Christian life is full of suffering and temptation. And make no mistake, friends, it's hard work. Hard work that takes its toll on you. Our author goes on further to identify what that toll looks like. He calls it weariness and faint-heartedness. Weariness and faint-heartedness from temptation. Weariness and faint-heartedness from suffering that comes with life. And it can make us want to quit sometimes. To give up. 
to quit struggling, to quit resisting. Temptation tells us that it would be a whole lot easier if we just gave up. Suffering tells us that suffering is pointless. So why do we keep resisting? Why don't we just give up? Weariness and faint-heartedness make the task that much more difficult and make quitting seem pretty appealing sometimes. And temptation and suffering are everywhere. You, you can't escape temptation. Temptation to do the wrong thing. Temptation to not do the good thing, to do the right thing, because it's hard. It's there with you first thing in the morning. It follows you to work, and it follows you home again. And if you try and run from temptation, you're just going to take the bait of another kind. And what makes you want to quit? Like suffering. Suffering tells you that your suffering has no purpose. We wonder, what's the point of it? Suffering can make you feel alone or isolated. It can make you feel like a burden on the people you love. Suffering reminds us of just how lost and broken we are. And don't we go to great lengths to avoid suffering, only to run into suffering of another kind? Now, I could give examples. Examples of temptation and suffering in the hopes that they would resonate with you. But the clearest examples of temptation, the clearest examples of suffering are the ones that you brought in with you today, the ones that followed you, the ones you're carrying. So let's just take 10 seconds, 10 seconds to examine our lives, to look at the temptations that followed us here and to acknowledge and name the suffering that we brought here today. If you take 10 seconds with me. No, no one came here without temptation and suffering today. And this temptation and suffering could well end up in weariness and faint-heartedness for three main reasons. We think that we are alone in temptation. We think that we suffer alone. Or we think that our temptation and suffering are too great or insurmountable. Or we think that we can, by our own strength, endure temptation and suffering. Or we think that we have to endure it on our own. But the author of Hebrews goes on to say, to give us some advice. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Now notice that I capitalize that H. Consider him, namely Jesus. Think thoroughly about Jesus. Fix your minds, fix your eyes on Jesus so that you won't become weary, so that you won't become faint-hearted, so that you won't be tempted to give up. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus, when we consider him, what will we see? What will we see that tells us differently than the idea that we suffer alone, that our temptation is too great, or that we either can or have to do it by ourselves? Well, when we look to Jesus, when we look to his suffering on the cross, we see grace. And grace tells us a different story. Grace tells us that no, we do not suffer alone. Our temptation, our suffering is not too great and that either we cannot or need not endure it on our own. Now, I learned a lot about weariness from my time as a landscaper. I learned a lot about wanting to quit. Landscaping is tough and tiring work sometimes. Now, I wouldn't trade those experiences for anything. I don't mind hard work but it is frustrating to be at the mercy of the weather, to be at the mercy of faulty equipment, and to be at the mercy of customers. 
Sometimes those things happen all at the same time. Sometimes you find yourself mowing grass while it's raining out. The ground is wet. You're going to get stuck in it. The customer said, don't leave any ruts, but they want you to mow it in the wet grass. And then the sprinklers come on. Yeah, at a day like that, I wanted to quit. And I probably would have too, if it hadn't been for my crew chief, Tom. You see, a few weeks into the job, when I was ready to quit, to go do something with air conditioning, to go start a job that didn't start at 5.30 a.m., they assigned me to Tom's work crew. Now, Tom was a marvel and a curious human specimen. At the age of 76, he was still a landscaper. And he had been a landscaper since he was old enough to hold a shovel. He had been a landscaper since before the word landscaper was invented. I'm pretty sure it was his middle name. He was so tanned from being out in the sun that he resembled a wet wallet. And his skin looked like a railroad map from all his scars, from all his stitches, from doing that job for so long. Now, working on Tom's crew didn't necessarily make the work easier. It didn't make the customers kinder. And as much as I admired him, I knew he couldn't actually stop the rain. But working with Tom made the job more bearable in this Tom never asked me to do a job that he hadn't done first. Yeah, the work was still tough, but at least somebody understood. The heat was still brutal, but at least somebody knew what it was like to be working out in that heat, to have been running a chainsaw for so long that your teeth hurt. You look at a job differently when your struggle is recognized and understood. Now, Jesus doesn't call us to suffer in a way that he didn't suffer. He's not calling us to a task that he has not done first. Our God is not the kind of God who will call us to endure what he could not. Jesus had the full human experience. Temptation, 40 days of it in the wilderness, mano imano with Satan himself. Suffering. At Gethsemane, Jesus said, my soul is very sorrowful, even unto death. Betrayed by one of his closest friends, betrayed by Judas with a kiss, smitten, stricken, and afflicted. See him dying on the tree. Yes, Jesus knew temptation. Jesus knows suffering. He endured what we endure as humans, temptation and suffering. Perhaps it's a little bit comforting to know that he understands the trials, the temptations, and the suffering of all humanity. It's still grueling business. It's still ugly. But when we consider him who endured suffering and the temptation that comes with living in a fallen creation, we see that we do not suffer alone. We do not struggle in isolation. Jesus understands, recognizes, and empathizes with the human condition. Now back to Tom. Tom understood what I was going through that first summer. He had been through it before and he was going through it with me again. But Tom had been through so much more than I ever had. Landscaping was a summer gig to me. It was Tom's whole life. For every drop of sweat I sweated out in the St. Louis heat, he had sweat two gallons. For every tree I had cut down, he'd cut down an acre's worth and planted two. And for every little scar I got from working on machinery, working on brush, he must have had two dozen. That made any complaints I had seem pretty puny. Seemed pretty pitiful. But I'll tell you, every time I got a little nick, every time I got a bruise on the job, I would look at it with a little bit of pride and think, I'm starting to look a little bit like Tom. 
Yeah, I tried pretty hard to be like Tom, to do the job the way he would. I started saying the things he said. I bought the same kind of boots he got, the same cut of jeans, and I still tuck my t-shirts into my jeans when I think no one's looking. Yeah, but it was pretty humbling to compare my small frustrations and even smaller accomplishments with the wall worth that was Tom's gigantic career. And that perspective made my struggling seem pretty small, but it gave me a glimpse into what Tom's whole life looked like. It gave me a peek at what it took to be like Tom. It showed me what it cost to be Tom. Jesus overcame temptation from the devil himself, and he suffered immeasurably more than any of us ever will. The author of Hebrews continues, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, but we know who did shed his blood, don't we? Jesus carried the cross, the weight of the entire sin of the world. By comparison, we're only carrying splinters. Jesus drank the entire cup that was appointed to him. By comparison, we're just drinking a measly drop of that. In light of how Jesus suffered, our suffering, however great, seems pretty pitiful by comparison. When we consider him who endured so much more than us, perhaps we're humbled. Perhaps we're even discouraged. But when we consider how little suffering we can handle before we're ready to quit, how little temptation we can endure before we give in, we begin to understand how incredibly costly Jesus' sacrifice was in our own small sufferings. We get a glimpse into how deep the suffering, how great the sacrifice of Jesus was in suffering just that little piece of what Jesus suffered we begin to understand the cost of grace. We consider him who endured the wrath of God that we sinners deserve for us. Through the eyes of grace, we see how much grace cost. Now, effort goes a long way as a landscaper. Being like Tom went a long way for me too. But there's no substitute for getting the job done right. A landscaper is only, only as good as the job he does is. I could try as hard as I could to mow the grass just like Tom, to get those ballpark straight lines, but they were never quite as straight as his. For all my effort, for all my practice, for all my wanting to be like Tom, I could never be just like him. Now, a seminarian dressed up like a real landscaper is never going to be able to do the job of a real landscaper. It didn't matter that Tom understood how hard I was trying. It didn't matter how much I wanted to be like him, to emulate him. I still made some pretty brutal mistakes. There's 246 ways to fatally injure yourself with a chainsaw. I must have tried at least 230 of them. There's 652 ways to disappoint a customer. I believe that I discovered three new ones. But Tom was there to save my hide every time. It wasn't just that he was a great teacher or a great example. Tom did what I couldn't do for me. I saw that I couldn't do the job myself, and I didn't have to. Jesus endured the same things we endure. He understands what we're going through. We aren't alone in temptation, nor does our suffering go unrecognized. But he endured so much more than we endure, showing us what grace costs. But all the temptation and suffering that Jesus endured doesn't do us a lick of good unless he endured it for us. Jesus knows that we're tempted and that we suffer, but we still give in to temptation, don't we? 
even knowing full well what he endured for us. It isn't that encouraging to consider how little we can endure before we're ready to quit. We can't even handle that little piece of it. No, we haven't resisted to the point of shedding our own blood, and it wouldn't matter if we did. We have suffered. Some of you here today have suffered immeasurably more than I can possibly imagine. But we aren't innocent like he was. No matter how hard we try, no matter how much we learn from Jesus, no matter how much we admire him, no matter how closely we try to follow in his footsteps, you are not Jesus. I am not Jesus. None of us are Jesus. A sinner dressed up like a saint isn't going to be able to do the job that God has given them unless Jesus completed that task for us. And it's through the eyes of grace that we consider him who endured the wrath of God that we sinners deserve, and it gets better. He endured it for us. Through the eyes of grace, we consider him who overcame temptation for us. Through the eyes of grace, we consider him who resisted the weariness and faint-heartedness of the world to the point of shedding his own blood for us. Now, we can't endure to the end by ourselves. And thanks be to God that we don't have to. So as you look to your own task, running the race with endurance, resisting temptation and enduring suffering, keep your eyes on grace. Through the eyes of grace, God doesn't see you as a sinner dressed up like a saint. He doesn't see your weariness or your faint heartedness. You're giving in to temptation. Your readiness to quit at the first sign of suffering. No, God sees the perfect endurance of Jesus. Jesus' perfect resistance to temptation, his overcoming of suffering, his perfect life, his perfect death, and an empty tomb for you. Those accomplishments, perfect endurance of Jesus, are credited to you in your race. The task has been completed. So when you find that you're weary, when you're suffering, Keep your eyes on grace. Don't let temptation fool you into thinking that you suffer in isolation, that no one sees what you're going through. Your Lord sees you. He sees your wounds and he sympathizes because he's wounded too. You're not alone. And when temptation seems too great for you, when the suffering is unbearable with no end in sight, keep your eyes on grace. Your temptation is not too great. Your suffering is not too great for him who shed his blood for you. Consider him, turn your eyes on him and pray the prayer that he taught you and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And when you realize that you're weary, when you're faint-hearted and you can't take another step, when you realize that you're not enough, when you see that you can't keep going on your own, look to the one who did it for you. Knowing full well that we can't avoid temptation, we can't avoid suffering in this world. Through the eyes of grace, we see that we do not go through it alone and that someone has gone through that and greater for us so that we do not have to do it on our own. And through the eyes of grace, we see temptation and suffering serve only the purpose of bringing us closer to him who did it for us and in whose name we pray, amen. Thank you again for listening to the sermon from Christ Memorial. If you happen to be in St. Louis or live in St. Louis, we would love to meet you and have you join us for worship on Sunday. We are located in South County, St. Louis at 5252 South Lindbergh 
We also have a city site called Reliant that is located on the St. Louis University Medical Campus in Crave Coffee House. You can find all of our worship times and information at cmstl.org or reliantchurch.org. Hope you have a good day, and remember, you are loved by God deeply through His Son, Jesus Christ, and you are sent with great purpose wherever you go. Have a good day.